you for listening. Thank you for listening. To the Outstanding Ohioans. Outstanding Ohioans. Hello. Thank you for tuning in to the Outstanding Ohioans podcast. My name is Ron Silico, and this is episode 31. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Mark Epler, who is a speaker, seminar leader, and an author of two books. And we're going to learn a lot about Mark and uh, specifically talk about one of his books, uh, which is some leadership principles and principles of work from the Wright brothers. Mark, welcome to the show. Glad to be here, Ron. Thanks for inviting me. Mark, for the audience, uh, what we always like to do is, could you talk about where you grew up and who were some of your influences growing up? Well, uh, I grew up uh, in Fern Creek, Kentucky, which most people probably haven't, uh, haven't heard of. Uh, it was a small town, and uh, it was a great environment to, uh, to, be, uh, to grow up in. Um, uh, my father was a minister, which gives me something in common with the Wright brothers, because mm-hmm. their father was a minister as well, which is kind of one of the many things that kind of uh, drew me to study these guys initially. Um, I... Uh, <laughs> Went to the University of Kentucky for a couple of years, transferred to Indiana University where I graduated, did graduate work at Pelican College, taught for uh, a year or two uh, at the Indiana University, and actually ended up doing a, teaching a class at the uh, Kentucky State Penitentiary um, to, a, uh, to some, uh, some pretty hardcore uh, convicts there, uh, which I like to tell people was uh, the only time I had a truly captive audience. <laughs> uh, but at any rate, uh, I, uh, from there I, I had an opportunity to, uh, to, to run an electronics manufacturing company here in Cincinnati. And all the while I was doing this, I was continuing to, uh, to do my first love, which was to, uh, to teach, except that uh, I had started to do it now in a form of uh, seminars and workshops geared toward uh, managers and leaders uh, responsible for solving problems. And uh, that's pretty much what I've been doing ever since. And the books that I have uh, written are uh, in that uh, in that category. And I have a third book coming out uh, uh, this fall that's called Optimized that uh, continues on that same uh, path as far as teaching managers how to uh, uh, to solve problems that are getting more complex than they've ever been. Okay, right. Uh, who are Growing up in Kentucky, who were some of your influences that affect you to this day? Well, uh, obviously the two most uh, impactful influences were my mother and father, both of which really uh, did a great job of instilling values in me. Uh, and not just uh, you know values from a moral standpoint, but values of hard work and values of creativity and invention and, uh, and innovation. Um, but beyond them, uh, you know, the typical people that uh, you would you would expect a Kentuckian to uh, to uh, to admire. I'm a big admirer of Lincoln, uh, who, by the uh, way, was the most creative and inventive president uh, the United States ever had. He's the only president to hold a patent. Um, and uh, then there's uh, Benjamin Franklin is a great friend, a great hero because uh, Franklin was a uh, well, gosh, he was off the charts in terms of his creativity and, and inventiveness. Um, and, and you know, there uh, I, I just uh, was a very avid reader and tended to migrate toward. Uh, uh, I would look at books about great people, and then I would say, how did they become great? And try to pull out the uh, the lessons that could be learned from their lives. 
it's it sounds like you have an, another parallel with the Wright brothers in that uh, you reference them being tinkerers even growing up. Is that the case? Yeah, and, and you know that's, uh, that's, that's something that uh, I'm a little bit concerned about now, as I, uh, and particularly uh, with the millennial uh, generation, which is an exceptionally talented uh, generation, but one that has not really been exposed to the uh, to the kind of hands-on problem-solving uh, that took place in, in prior generations. And when I was growing up, uh, you know, when something broke, today if something broke, you know, it's a false divide, and, and a new one is purchased to. Uh, to one of your previous answers, you, you worked for an electronic manufacturing company. How did you get involved with teaching at Indiana University? Well, actually, it was because I was working at this uh, manufacturing company. It actually started out in southern Indiana, and uh, I had, uh, it was an interesting situation because I, I became the uh, vice president of marketing for this company, and what happened was, was that about the second day on the job, I discovered that we made pretty much a commodity product. It was kind of like being a banana salesman, you know, what can you say about your banana? And realized that the, that the only way that we could possibly compete was on price. And I read a book at the time which really changed my whole business of philosophy, and it was called The Marketing Imagination. I think I love it. And uh, yeah, I tell people in my workshops, if you're too cheap to buy the book, just go to the, just go to the bookstore, pull it off the shelf, and read Chapter 4. Uh, because in Chapter 4, he gives the principle that, that changed everything for me. And the principle is that uh, when all things are equal, you learn to sell your distinction in doing business. Hmm. And that resonated with me because I realized that everything was equal. So then we began to ask ourselves, okay, what is our distinction in doing business? So we created, we actually, what it did was is reposition the company from a manufacturing company with service to a service company with products. Hmm. And in our customers' eyes, we really became noted uh, for an extraordinary level of customer service. We responded quicker than anybody did. We We challenged every time-based assumption about doing business. Now, this was prior to, in search of like someone's Tom Peters, you know, they, they discovered this after, after that. This was kind of 
And I believe you referenced that in, in the Wright Brothers book about how how did your company create that culture of customer responsiveness? Well, you, you actually had the magic word right there in your question, and that is culture. Uh, we literally had to change how everybody perceived themselves. And one of the things that we did that I think was fairly unique was that we recognized that customer service is always a reflection of the individual. And so we had to make sure that the individuals bought into this culture. And in order to do that, we had to make sure that they profited by it. Uh, so the bonuses that the company uh, gave, and, and they were pretty considerable, uh, were really more or less based on the degree to which you were able to support and advance this cause. And, and the neat thing about Ron was, was that it, the culture became so uh, uh, well-established that we no longer had to do training for new people. The employees themselves did. As soon as a new worker came on, they quickly made sure that they understood that this is how we operate. I thought that was one of the coolest things. Oh, that's neat. So, uh, I'm, I'm trying to get some timelines set in my mind. You're, at some point you transition into into becoming a business owner, and you're also you're also teaching at Indiana, and you're also starting to write books. So what, what does this timeline look like for you? Well, I, I would say uh, about uh, I moved to Cincinnati. Uh, I came up here to, uh, to consult uh, another electronics manufacturing company. And I moved here in about, uh, I think it was 1992. And uh, I was only going to be with this company for two years, and then I was going to move back to, uh, to Louisville. But my wife and I just fell in love with uh, the city and still are. And so I was with this company for eight years, eventually ended up being the, uh, the chief operating officer president of the company. And that went until about 2001. And uh, in about 2001, I, I, I wrote a book while I was working for this company called Management Methods, which really is, is my, my biggest selling book to date. And uh, the book was uh, kind of just a humorous look at how managers drive their, or how, uh, how managers drive their workers nuts and, um, and what they could do about it. Um, and so I started getting calls then again to do programs and, and uh, I, I was kind of struggling between do I want to be running a company or do I want my own company? And at that point in time, I decided to, uh, to go out on my own again. But I've been doing this off and on for about 25 years. Mm-hmm. So since 2001, uh, the present, uh, you know, I've been I've been been doing seminars and workshops and writing books uh, as my uh, principal way of uh, making a way in my life. So that's that's the timeline. Okay, all right. And then, uh, could you speak to going back to your your time teaching in Indiana? What were some of the classes that you taught? And uh, I know you were an award recipient as well. Award for Teaching Excellence, um, which was uh, 
which, which was a very pleasant surprise. Uh, I've always used a, uh, a, a great deal of humor in my uh, my programs, and I did it in my classes as well, because I've always believed that humor was a, a very effective way to engage adults. Uh, you know, you have to give adults something more than just uh, just facts. And so that actually was, the, uh, was one of the reasons that I won the award, is because they, they said that, uh, because of the effective use of humor in, uh, in, in getting her point across. Uh, I taught courses, I taught business law, I taught uh, management, I taught uh, marketing courses, and I taught, uh, uh, you know, just, just general uh, business, introductory business courses. So did that, like I said, did that for about uh, three years or four. Yeah. No, I guess it must have been about five years, but that was done on a part-time basis while I was working full-time from this electronics company. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it was a great opportunity for me, by the way, Rob, because uh, what it enabled me to do was to use my students as guinea pigs. Uh, that as I wanted to test out new ideas for my books or my programs, then I could uh, actually incorporate it into the lesson and get their feedback. So I uh, found out right there what worked and what didn't. That's a, gr- that's a great laboratory, for sure. Absolutely. Uh, I, I've got to ask you, and I'm sure I'm sure the audience is, is thinking along with me on this. You're in, this is a you're a very busy person. How how do you structure your day and structure your discipline to set time set blocks of time aside to write books, set time set time aside to to run your business, set time aside to teach. Yeah. 
other, but I'm sitting here and I'm going, okay, is this the best use of my time right now? Okay, I continue. Mm-hmm. And if not, then I look for what is. I'm glad you didn't hang up the phone, Mark, so I, I think we're on the right track. Then. <laughs> no, I thought this was a worthwhile use of my time this morning. Well, I, I appreciate that. Uh, I, I've heard a lot of authors and, and people in, in your line of work speak to this. How has writing the two books and, and, and now the third one coming out helped you with your business? Your responsibility and, and, and building your own 
which is you as an individual, is that you may have to invest some of your own money in getting them and getting more knowledgeable. Right. Uh, certainly agree with you. You know, on the reading theme, a couple couple questions I wanted to ask you. You mentioned in the Wright Brothers book, and the the creative author escapes me, but he mentioned that that reading three hundred books a year should be a goal. Uh, you know, to that point, what what are some books that you're reading right now in your development? Well, uh, right now I'm reading uh, the uh, the Pixar book on uh, on creativity and innovation. It just came out. It's a uh, it's a terrific read. I'm very excited about that book and recommending it to everybody. Um, the name of the author, oh, Ed Cathmull, uh is the author. Okay. He's the president of Pixar. Uh, it's a fascinating book on, uh, on the early days of Silicon Valley, which which is really, uh, I spent a lot of my uh, early days in Silicon Valley when I was in the electronics industry. I was out there when the, uh, everything was just happening for the first mm. time, and boy, it was an area of just unbelievable excitement and can-do attitudes. And never, the word impossible did not exist in the, uh, uh, the mindsets of the men and women in that, uh, in that in, in that place at that time, and uh, so Ed Capcom does a really good job of drawing that out, and it talks about some of the uh, creating problem-solving principles that they've that they've adapted to make them successful. Does Einstein's book, uh, the biography by uh, I think it's Walter uh, Isaacson wrote, is a, is a personal favorite of mine. Uh, I, I like it because Einstein, uh, obviously, he was an off the charts genius, but he was also uh, uh, a realist too, I think, in terms of a lot of the things that, uh, uh, that were going on in the world. Uh, obviously, uh, I don't know if you're familiar, I imagine you are, uh, David McCullough has just, written, uh, just uh, written a new book on the Wright Brothers, so um, oh, okay. you know, even though I have uh, several dozen Wright Brother books, uh, I'm, I'm taking a look at that right now, and it's, uh, it's interesting. Um, you call me off, call me off base of that. I've got a, I'm on a head here looking at a, a massive bookshelves filled with books. I'm trying to think what have I read recently. <laughs> well, you sound, you sound like me. You sound like me that you've got books open all over your house, and <laughs> as you go from room to room, you're you're reading them and and such. So. Yeah, you know, I, I I'm reading books that are current, but I'm also reading books that uh, I was I was at a uh, uh, gosh, I was at a hand bookshop. Before we transition into the to the Wright Brothers book specifically, I wanted to ask you if you had to say two to three hot topics of discussion in organizations that you're working with right now, what would they be? Number one, 
Which is a nice transition into talking about the Wright Brothers book because you, you certainly you certainly address all of that. Uh, something that I wanted you to talk about first, Mark, because uh, you know, backtracking a little bit. Whenever I read books like this, I only I don't only look at it through the lens of how can that help me as a leader in, in my organization at Miami University Recreation Services. I also think about how can this help me as a parent and something that really struck me about the Wright brothers was the environment that they grew up in, some structure, but also leaving a lot of room for curiosity and, and discovery. Can you talk a little bit about how Orville and Wilbur's mother and father promoted that environment? Because he, he really a 
I love, I loved reading about that conflict resolution model. And going back to one of your topics of communication, at least it's my interpretation that so much difference in communication and understanding is not understanding perspectives. And, and that process where you had to argue, you had to flip sides and argue, try and argue the other side of the argument, it, it really helps people understand perspectives a, a lot more.
know where a person is coming from, then you've got a pretty good idea of going where they want to go. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can either uh, you can either uh, find a way to be able to blend that into your program, or uh, find a good ways to be able to sell them on the direction you want to go. Thank you for tuning in to the Outstanding Ohio Show. This was episode 31, part one of our interview with Mark Epler. Please tune in to episode 32 for the remainder of the interview with Mark. Also, please take the time to review the show on iTunes or Stitcher. Please leave a rating so we can help get out the word about the podcast. Thank you for listening. Have a great day.